What's up, everybody? Zach here. One of your two favorite pairs of balls in the podcasting game. Since corporate America is still sleeping on your boys, and we don't have any advertisements to promote right now, in lieu of that, we're accepting Venmo donations of $2 for whatever you'd like us to say on the podcast. As long as it's not anything hateful, mean, cruel, anything that'll get us canceled, anything extremely negative, we'll go ahead and say it. If it's a joke, if it's something loving, if it's just something fun, if it's you talking about Paul Pierce sharding, for example, we're all about it. Just go ahead and Venmo Sean-Janos, $2, and he'll say whatever, and then go ahead and Venmo Zach-Lane-15, $2, and I'll read whatever you want. Thanks a lot, everybody. Now back to the podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the third episode of the Balls Out Podcast. We are here. We're back. We're uh, here late at night. It's 10 o'clock on a Wednesday. We're uh, wrapping up watching the Knicks-Hawks game. Uh, Sadly, it looks like it's going to be the last game this series. Joining me is the biggest Knicks fan I know and probably the most depressed man on the planet this very second, Zach Lane. Zach, how are you doing? Hurting a lot right now, Sean. Hurting a lot. (laughs) Julius Randle just hit a three with about two minutes left to give me a little bit of hope, which is probably the worst fucking thing you could do in the world to me right now. And we're down 13 with a minute 40 left. It looks like the Knicks are going to be done for the season. Yeah, a little too too little too late there, Julius. I mean, that would have been nice a few games ago, but here I am down $20. (laughs) And I'm down 25, and I mean, we're bitching about the money that we're down, but Julius Randle's going to be down a lot fucking more money in this offseason than probably the max contract he was lined up for before the playoffs started. Someone will give him the max, I think. Recency bias is getting the best of us right now, but come free agency, he'll, he'll get his bag. I don't know, but do you think so? Like, when you get solved in the playoffs like that, is a team really going to want... I mean, maybe a shit team would still throw him a uh, max contract, like a.k.a. the Orlando Magic or the Houston Rockets or, or the Kings. <laughs> some team yeah. of that sort, or the Kings. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of bad teams that could just like toss him the max. Or the Knicks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey, man, four seed this year. Yeah, man, so they just throw him the max. They say, run it back. We got all this other cap space to figure it out beside you so teams don't key in on you in the playoffs like they did last year yeah it's pretty true plus here's the thing he is his first playoff series ever you can expect him with the work that he put in this offseason how much better he got going into this year if you're the training staff and you have as an assistant coach randall's most trusted advisor and one of his coaches from his kentucky years with the team you would kind of hope that they would have trust in the guy and expect him to just keep getting better, but I don't know if a max contract is fucking worth it if you're shooting like under 30% in the playoffs. The bar is just set pretty low for giving guys max deals, you know? Like, if, you, if you're if you all NBA and you qualify for it, you're going to get it, which uh, he will, because he will be yeah, all it's NBA. Pretty, he's going to be all NBA, which makes it really, really tough. And yeah, guys, they just fucking shell out max contracts these days to pretty mm-hmm. much anybody. So, I mean, 
Rudy Gobert fucking Rudy Gobert scores what under fifteen points a game and got a max contract. Uh, yeah, it's different. Perennial All Star, three about to be three time Defensive Player of the Year, but like, but still, yeah. has he ever gotten it done in the playoffs? No. Exactly. Boston threw Kemba a max deal, like just because he came off his a career year, almost exactly what um, Julius Randle did, both out of playoff appearance. Ugh. And that's the fucking scary thing about the Julius Randle situation. Because you give him a max contract, what if he's just fucking Kemba Walker? What mm-hmm. if he's just flaming? I mean, he's not as old as Kemba. He's also not fucking tiny like Kemba. He's not He's not fucking Joe like Kemba. <laughs> Damn, tell me how you really feel. <laughs> I mean, Kemba, he's not even six foot, dude. Kemba can't even fucking get on my level. I'll post him up. I'll fucking throw some moves into him. I'll throw him a fucking forearm shiver and hit him with a hook. But... Julius Randle, I still, as a Knicks fan, seeing what he did this season, I still have faith in him. Him and R.J. Barrett, it was their first playoff series. I think you can really only go up from here. I mean, you really, you would hope you could only fucking go up from here with what they did in this series. Those young teams are supposed to take their lumps in the playoffs, their first appearance. But on the other side of the ball, the Hawks didn't take their lumps. They went on and uh, advanced. And oh, I, exactly. For as good as the Knicks looked, I think the the Hawks were equally as impressive as the Knicks were disappointing. Yeah, it's just the Hawks definitely had they have way more talent than the Knicks do on the team. Oh, and so the many guys that can make shots. So many guys that can score all the time, and <laughs> they have shooters fucking everywhere. They have like five or six guys on the team that could just hit like three threes in a row at any moment. Oh yeah. And that's what tore the game open against the Knicks because they just are pretty much every game because the Knicks just didn't have nearly the offensive talent that the Hawks did and the defense yeah I think they caught a lot of teams off guard in the regular season with the defense because they just tried hard every game and that's one of the things that fans complain about for the NBA regular season in general is that a lot of teams just typically aren't trying. They're not competing hard on defense. And the Knicks competed really hard every single game. And you can catch a lot of teams off guard that way and get a good record. It's that, that, Thib- that Tom Thibodeau um, play style, that mentality that he brings. And uh, speaking of Tibbs, there's, uh, there's one thing I want to mention. Uh, Lumpy motherfucker. Yeah, dude, seeing him on the sideline, I, I've come to the conclusion that he's got to be the worst looking head coach in the NBA yeah you definitely have zero debate here I watched him all season long and every single time he came on screen if there was anybody in the room with me or if there was nobody in the room with me I would text (laughs) somebody immediately and say I think Tom Thibodeau has the worst fucking hair that I've ever seen on the planet what's he doing with his hair dude it's just a fucking there's an island in the front and then it balds completely and then it the hair comes back and it's just receding and just falling down in the back a little bit and it's uh he does like he has just the small patch on the front that he does a little comb over with which is I don't know is he married (laughs) it's it's failing bankrupt business in the front and then a party you definitely don't want to be at in the back. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much the best way to sum it up. I don't know if if he is married. I actually I don't think he's married. I think I heard that on the podcast because if he was, 
His wife definitely wouldn't fucking let him leave the house like that if he's seen <laughs> on national TV with hair like that. Yeah, she sees him wearing a super tight quarter zip that doesn't flatter his lumpy figure at all. And is like, oh, honey, you should really go with a three-piece suit instead. She's like, God, I'm fucking dripping. <laughs> that fucking three-inch long comb over <laughs> on the front of your head is just doing it for me. All right, but on the, on the other side of the coin... Who do you think the handsomest uh, head coach in the NBA is? I think, after going through a little bit of research here, came to the conclusion, Steven Silas is looking pretty sexy. Dude, and it's pretty I, I, obvious, if you pull up some pictures of him, there's some fucking slammers on there. There's some great Tinder pics for fucking Steven Silas to throw up. I agree, he's got that sly smile, you know? He's got these like real friendly eyes. Yeah, exactly. I like Steven Silas. I mean, you trust him right away. He might be a fuckboy, but you do trust him. <laughs> but the only thing I can't get out of my head is um, I remember his his father used to coach the, the Charlotte Bob, Bobcats back when they were the Charlotte Bobcats. And uh, Paul Silas was a pretty crusty old man. <laughs> so just just seeing what Steven can possibly age into is uh, a little, little, little troubling. But on the other hand, I, a coach that I really stood out to me was uh nate bork nate borking borgen borken is that how you say nate bjorkren bjorken yeah i mean culture over here yeah culture. yeah i mean you look scandinavian so you can probably say that well, hey man i also found out some different things about my lineage recently too so oh really i got ties all over the place i'm very cultured these days damn yeah, but uh, Nate B, as I'm going to call him, I think uh, <laughs> he's he's drawn drawn a strong resemblance to Johnny Sins with that that bald head <laughs> and slender face. Yeah, slender face. We don't know where else he's slender. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> the only thing we haven't seen is <laughs> Nate B's cock. And so we don't know if he's a full body double of Johnny Sins, but at least in the face region, he's fucking killing it. Hey, man. Those baldies, they're usually packing. That, that fucking hot Mr. Clean look, dude. <laughs> dude, he does. He's got, like, gray eyebrows, too. It's kind of perfect. <laughs> he's just got Halloween costumes galore. He's at least set for the next two years. <laughs> Or, I mean, just any any porn video that Johnny Sins has appeared in with just any sort of acting or costume or whatever. He could just go as that every year. Oh, yeah. That, that Johnny, Johnny Sins co cosplay is definitely on the table for Nate. <laughs> it's absolutely too easy. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I'm going gonna, I'm to bring us back to, uh, to a little bit of basketball, I guess. <laughs> I guess. So, let's talk about the series that everybody's talking about the one that's garnered the most national attention and that's the lakers Suns series really it's not wizard sixers <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, speaking of that uh at the time of recording the sixers just uh locked up the series win 4-1 nice little gentleman sweep even with Embiid sitting this game we're not sure when the next time we're gonna see joel is i mean a meniscus tear that's pretty sounds pretty bad even if it's a a small one yeah, <laughs> tearing anything is just generally not a good gun. <laughs> tearing anything on your body is pretty rough. Yeah, and uh, knee injuries, you know? 
fucking scary, especially considering yeah. Embiid's history. Yeah, I mean, I'm 23 years old, 6'2", do not play professional basketball, and I wear a knee brace every single day to work. <laughs> so <laughs> I can attest to how bad fucking knee injuries can be, and I weigh like 165 pounds, basically, and Embiid is probably nearly double that and like seven three so the amount of fucking pounding that's going on his knees all the time with a tear anything going on like that that's just fucking horrible i've always said that zach lane is the joel Embiid of brewing beer <laughs> actually everybody that works with me has been saying that lately it's kind of crazy it's pretty flattering yeah it feels pretty good I don't really understand the comparison, but I'll talk and take it. <laughs> so the the Suns took a, a 3-2 lead in the series last night. Um, Devin Booker had a great game. He really stepped up to the plate. He was that, uh, that playoff scorer, that closer that we've really been looking for, looking for him to be. Yeah, it's it's what he did in the bubble last year when he That's was just right. when the Suns went eight and zero and he was fucking closing out every game like crazy when he was hitting mm-hmm. fadeaways on fucking Paul George and Kawhi in the Clippers game, like we knew Devin Booker was capable of this. This is his first playoff series. We just need to see it happen. Right, and he really put this one away in the first quarter. The Suns got a, a thirty point lead before he even knew it. I think Booker had something like seventeen points in the first quarter and finished with thirty. Wow, bad rest of the game, huh? <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> Just coasted to the finish line. Um, Honestly. The Lakers without AD just isn't very sc- They just aren't scary, you know? It's like you can really key, on, key in on LeBron and wait for him to drive and kick like, you know, he wants to do. Close out on some subpar shooter like Kuzma or Matthews or KCP. By the way, KCP and Schroeder combined for zero points last night. Fucking ugly game from LeBron's supporting cast. The Lakers without AD is like the commercial with Jason Momoa where he just pulls off like his muscles (laughs) and he's just got the really skinny arms and then he pulls off the hair and he's just like balding and everything. It's just like, alright, you think of it, they're the Lakers. Like, oh, they're great. They're LeBron AD or whatever. Like, they look good. They sound good when you talk about them, but if they don't have AD actually out there, or if he is out there and he's hobbled, if he's not 100%, that's fucking devastating. And that could be a death sentence against the Suns team because they are really, really good. Right, and AD obviously isn't playing. It's not 100%. LeBron, I don't think he's 100%. He looks off to me. He's, he's He goes into these short stretches where he really takes over, but he I haven't seen him do it for longer than a quarter where he goes, like, full playoff LeBron mode that we've come to expect from him. He's so committed to doing these driving kicks to shooters, getting the whole team involved, you know, point LeBron. But we really need Cavs LeBron that would just take it to the rack at will against, like, those great Warrior teams and whatever schmucks they steamrolled in the Eastern Conference. I'll be honest. I All I think it is... Is that LeBron is thirty six years old? Right, like he didn't have an off season. He went straight from last year's finals into this regular season. Yeah, what they had like a month, maybe a month and a half off, and he's thirty six years old. In terms of NBA age, that might as well be like fucking sixty. 
and a lot of miles. He's still, yeah, it's a lot of miles on his body. I mean, he went to what before the year that he missed the playoffs with the Lakers. He went to ten straight finals, nine straight finals, just a pretty ridiculous number. So that's full regular seasons. That's the full playoffs when you're going to the finals. That's just so many games that you're playing and so many minutes that LeBron's playing because he's the centerpiece of every single one of his teams. It's just tough for him to actually put in that amount of effort and that amount of work every single game. And I don't think he's really hobbled by anything right now. It just seems like he's kind of saving it for when they need it most. And That was last night. <laughs> Yeah, they already need it most. And I get, like, okay, the Suns win, they're up 3-2. It's not a death sentence. And that's what makes it so fucking tricky, because the Suns are up 3-2. It seems really juicy. It seems like the right idea to pick the Suns to win the series, but it's so fucking tough to pick against LeBron, even if Anthony Davis is out. Yeah, I wouldn't put my money anywhere near these next, or Game 6 or Game 7 if it happens. I mean, we shouldn't have put our money fucking anywhere since we bet it on the Knicks, so... Oh, dude, we should have just fucking thrown it straight into the dumpster. I should have just bought fucking a fucking uh, disc fuck. golf set like I was planning <laughs> on, dude. <laughs> Thanks, Knicks. Now I can't play disc golf. Yeah, now I just gotta ride my bike by the fucking course and cry every time. <laughs> That's not even a joke, dude. I just I rode my bike down and I watched some the other day. I was stoked. I looked up a set on Amazon. It cost thirty three bucks. I bet twenty five on the Knicks. At this point, I don't know if I should fucking do it, dude. You're gonna have to get a fucking eight dollar little plastic frisbee from Walmart or something. <laughs> I'm gonna have to get one of those dog toy frisbees. And just <laughs> go out looking like a mega cock chucking it out there. <laughs> Yeah, because dudes who play oh. disc golf don't look like mega cucks. <laughs> hey, you fucking, you better fucking eat your words, dude. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm about to get into the game. <laughs> alright, alright. Let's move on to uh, my favorite series. That's the Mavs Clippers series. Yeah, let's fucking go, dude. Yeah, dude. So, Luca, not 100%. He's got like a pinched nerve or something in his neck, shoulder area. It obviously was killing him towards the end of game three and well into game four. Um, he claims to be feeling better. Not sure if it, that's a mind over matter thing, but I don't think pinch nerves work like that. <laughs> I don't know. If he's. The thing is, if Luca's any sort of hobbled in this series, the Mavs are pretty much fucked because, like we said about LeBron. In the past playoffs, in the past finals, everything runs through Luka at every single second. Right. And, I mean, it's not... The, I guess the LeBron comparison isn't the right one. It's a lot like James Harden on the Rockets, where every single thing ran through him, and when James Harden started to tire out and flame out in the playoffs a little bit, then the team would just completely falter. And I think that's the same thing with Luka, because when you have a team that just revolves so hardcore around one player and that player can't keep up, like, what are the other guys supposed to do? They've been going through the entire season just playing off of this guy, and now they have to just all of a sudden start making decisions for themselves and start, like, trying to carry the team themselves. And I get Porzingis wants to fucking do it, but Porzingis shooting, like, post-up fadeaways from 
fucking 22 feet with like foot on the three-point line is such a bad shot yeah and he's best served as a a a max contract floor spacer which is pretty sad yeah and well it's unfortunate because i think porzingis has gotten a lot of fucking hate this season and i don't think all of it's deserving because he was hurt he got hurt last year in the playoffs and came back this year and I mean, last year's playoffs were so close to the start of the regular season this year that when he came back this year, it's probably rushed a little bit. He also got hurt at a different point again this year, so he was out some more games. And he's just been in and out of the lineup. And I think as a young player like that, trying to find your footing when you think you're going to be a young superstar, and then you're on a team with Luka Doncic, who is the real young superstar on the team... (laughs) It'll probably play mental games with you, and when your body's not right, too, you're probably trying to force things, and I think it's just been a really weird up-and-down season for Porzingis, and I think a lot of people, like, on a lot of a lot of analysts and a lot of media members, it seems like have completely given up on Porzingis and say, like, he has no trade value in the league, and, like, I wouldn't trade, like, I wouldn't trade Evan Fournier and fucking Grant Williams for him, and I'm like... I don't know about that. I think Porzingis is still a really good player. I think it was just a tough season for him coming off of the injury. And I think he'll still round back into form. Yeah, I mean, it's not even his offense that I really hate. It's just that he gets completely burnt on defense. Like, he's he can't guard anybody. Like, he gets a bad switch onto Kawhi, Paul George, or even fucking Reggie Jackson. He gets absolutely cooked. He just gets lost. Yeah. Like, he might get played off the floor this series. They opted to go with fucking Willie Calkins Stockins. Willie Calkins Stockins. <laughs> yeah, dude. Shout out the boy. Yeah, <laughs> dust it off the fucking shelf, bro. <laughs> yeah, shout out Collie Stein. He's been out there uh, picking up some minutes, which is not what you want <laughs> in the playoffs. Oh yeah, that's his real name. <laughs> tell my <laughs> tell my dad that. <laughs> <laughs> But um, switching to the other team there, the the Clippers, they really made a 180 in the the first half of Game 3. They, they fell down 30-11 to 11 or something like that, and then Kawhi and Paul George just kind of said, all right, guys, let's flip that switch, and they did. Yeah, I think Kawhi didn't take a single shot attempt until like six or seven minutes into the first quarter of that game. Then he finished with 36 points and shot fucking 13 of 17. Just a crazy efficient, high-scoring like, game. Unbelievable numbers. And I don't know, you would think when you're down 30 to 11, it's like, all right, it's time to start fucking picking it up, Kawhi. But uh, this is a weird... The Clippers are just a weird team. They lost last year. We know. The 3-1 comeback by Denver. They lost the game 7. Mm-hmm. And it seems like this team just cannot fucking get self-motivated. It seems like they really, really have to get pushed. And going down 0-2 on their home floor, game three in Dallas, down 30-11, to I guess maybe that was just the breaking point of like, oh, hey, maybe we should stop fucking around now and we should mm-hmm. actually like try hard and play real basketball. And... Maybe that was what did it for him, and I think it probably was. I think that was the wake-up call that they needed to actually turn it on for the rest of the playoffs and actually, like, Paul George and Kawhi, get into your grooves, 
take your shots, stand up for yourselves, like be real fucking tough basketball players. Don't just be pushovers out here. Mm-hmm. And I think they're I think they're gonna take care of the Mavericks in the series. I picked them in six on the last podcast. I think it's look, fucking looking good right now. I think they're gonna win it in six. And I feel like the Clippers have a real good chance to come out of the West, actually. Right. I mean, if they keep playing like this, and like you said, this is you you mentioned this was the the wake up call that they need to get motivation through the rest of the playoffs. I'm not sure if this will be short lived or not because I can really see them getting comfortable here. You know, they they're like, all right, whew. We evened up the series, now we're going back home for Game 5. Luka's not looking great, and his role players around him stink. I can see them getting lulled into a false sense of security and then dropping this one, and then who knows what happens with the rest of the series going back to Game 6 in Dallas. Well, I think that's what happened at the beginning of the playoffs because, as we all know, they tanked to get the Mavericks matchup anyway. It's a bad omen. And I th- which is, yeah, I think that's a fucking soft move right there. And I don't know if the basketball gods would reward that and give you a championship, but the fact that they tanked to get the Mavericks matchup means they weren't really taking the Mavericks seriously from the get-go. So it's not that surprising that they came out in the first game and got smacked up. Second game, Kawhi actually balled out and oh, put he up... Did. What do you have, 42? He put up, what, like uh, yeah, 41 or 42 or something like that, but the rest of the team just didn't keep up with him. And I think being down 0-2, getting down to that hole early, they realized, okay, we can't really play around with this team, and if this is our first round series and we can't mess around, then we probably can't mess around for the rest of the playoffs. So I think from here on out, they're going to be good. I think the next ra- I mean, we're looking at... They're in the same bracket as Utah and Memphis. That series is looking like it's going to be over. It looks like it's going to be Utah that they're playing, and I think they would right. have a really, really good chance against Utah. Yeah, that'll be a very hard-fought series. A lot, very mucky, very gritty. You know, um, with the Mavs and Clippers, I just kind of, if you looking at it rationally, Luca and Kawhi, they average thirty-three points per game these playoffs. They kind of offset each other in that regard. So it really comes down to Paul George versus the Mavericks role players. Tim Hardaway Jr.? You look at it that way, and it seems like it's going to be Clippers in a landslide. But that's why they play the games. Yeah, exactly. Because you never know who's going to step up at any given night. And the Mavericks do have really good role players. They have guys that will hit shots. They have guys that kind of aren't really afraid of the moment like tim hardaway jr especially he's not afraid of anything put the boogeyman in his face and he'll take the shot yeah exactly it's like uh, fucking it's like kyle kuzma dude put jesus in his face he'll take the shot because he's not afraid (laughs) i guess he's not afraid of going to hell dude like (laughs) wow what a fucking what a fucking baller would you rather be in hell or lebron's doghouse (laughs) definitely hell dude lebron doesn't scare me for a second (laughs) LeBron's going to lose in the first round, dude. That guy doesn't scare me. All right, so uh, next series is the Trailblazers and the Nuggets. We they, we just got probably the most exciting game of these playoffs so far last night, um, Game 5 in Denver, and Damian Lillard went unconscious. It was game time last night, and they still lost. Damian had 55 
10 and 6. He shot 12 of 17 from three. 12 three-pointers. That's the, the record for most threes in a playoff game. He hit yep. a step back with three seconds left in the fourth quarter to send it in overtime. And then another step back three with four seconds left in the first overtime to send it into a second overtime. And the rest of the team just took a fat dump in the bed. Uh, yeah, the rest of the team fucking stinking it up, dude. Your best player scores 55 on... 55? He scored 55. He had 10 assists and one turnover. Wow, I didn't like, even see one turnover. That's fucking nuts. One fucking turnover. So he's trusting his... A double-double with 55 points, trusting his teammates, and them not getting it done. Like, maybe he should have just kept chucking and gone for fucking 70. He shot a bananas good percentage. Like, he could have afforded a few bad looks in there and still had a great game. Dude, let me read you Damian Lillard's stats in this series right now. And the fact that they're down... The the fact that they're down 3-2 right now just seems fucking criminal. Lillard's averaging 35 points, 9 assists, shooting 47.4% from the field, and 47.8% from three on over 13 three-point attempts per game. Dude, the rim is just looking huge for him. Nearly 93% from the free throw line. So he's nearly 50-50-90 shooting splits, averaging 35 a game, and they're down in the series. That has to be... How many fucking holes are in Damian Lillard's walls right now when he gets back to his house after the games? This is the guy that insists on spending his career with one team and not joining up with other superstars. And uh, Yeah, the Blazers aren't really giving him much help over there in Portland. But I do fucking love that, I have to say. I know, it's a great mentality. It's a breath of fresh air. It's pretty awesome. I like to see that too, and... I know on Bill Simmons' podcast, he talks a lot about how he thinks Steph is going to be the last guy of that kind of generation where you kind of stick with the whole one team throughout your entire career. And I don't think so, because I think Dame is going to be that kind of guy, too. And on the other side of this series, I think Jokic is going to be that guy, too, because Jokic is a guy that doesn't care about being an NBA celebrity. I think he just cares about going out and playing basketball and just kicking ass out there and I don't think he cares that like he lives in Denver and that it's a small market franchise or anything like that. I think he's just like I think there are still loyal guys out there and I think Jokic and maybe even Jamal Murray could be a guy like that for Denver. I right. think Dame is definitely going to be a guy like that for Portland too. I also think Jokic's play style lends itself well to staying in one place because it doesn't really matter who you put around him. He will elevate them to a higher level. He will make the guys around him better. Which he has done all series long without what the second and fourth best players on the team and Jamal Murray and Will Barton. He took Austin Rivers off the fucking street <laughs> and made him into <laughs> like a he swung a series. He swung this again. He won them a game this series. Dude, Austin Rivers eating at fucking Benny Hanna and then comes in fucking chucking threes in a playoff game and actually getting it done. It's pretty insane. And that's pretty much all just due to Jokic's greatness. Right. I think we, we can't sell Austin Rivers short. He's got the, the right mindset to 
come in and be like, yeah, no one believed in me. I'll show them. I'm going to cook my matchup. I'm going to outplay the guy across from me. And I think that's so big in the playoffs when so much of it is your mentality and how you approach it and how hard you work and how much confidence you have in yourself. You know, Here's the one thing i got to say about Austin Rivers. He was waived by the Knicks earlier this year. Ow. That's all you have to know about Austin Rivers. And the fact that he's playing a fucking big role for the Nuggets in the playoffs, is that's just pure insanity based on that fact. Mm-hmm. And we saw this with we're seeing this with campaign too over on the Suns, like he came yeah. in, the the Chicago Bulls gave up on him. There was this a uh, quote from someone in the front front office. They said after two practices we could tell that this guy doesn't belong in the league, and now he's Ugh. stepping up for an injured Chris Paul and really helping the Suns beat the presumable favorites in the Western Conference, the Lakers. I don't know. Maybe the Bulls shouldn't be quick to fucking make judgments on players when they're not even in the fucking playoffs right now. (laughs) And I'm pretty hyped for campaign because I've always been a fan of him. I was a big fan of him when he was on the Thunder and him and Westbrook were hitting those crazy bro-down handshakes before the games together. It was so awesome. And the fact that his name is campaign is just pretty awesome. I'd campaign for campaign. Yeah, right? Yeah, he's just got... He's just got, like, a good slogan right there just built into his name. But if we're going back to the Nuggets Blazers series, we know what Lillard's been doing, just absolutely cooking. Jokic has been pretty much equally as brilliant as Dame. He's averaging 32-11 and 11 for the series. He's .007 percentage points on his free throws off of 50-40-90 as a center as the guy that the opposing team is focusing on pretty much every second of the game and he's still doing it he's only playing 35 minutes a game compared to Dame's 41 which is pretty insane yeah he leads all players in the playoffs with that 41 I'm sure that double overtime game definitely helped (laughs) Yeah, but even Jokic, after the double overtime game, only averaging 35 minutes a game, which is strange because everything in Denver runs through him. And so the fact that he's not even playing 36 minutes and they're up 3-2 in the series right now, I mean, it definitely bodes well for them going forward. Mm -hmm. And he's he's just doing shit that you would expect the MVP of the league to do. And this is nothing new for Jokic in the playoffs. The guy... When it comes to active players in playoff performances, for points per game average for active players in the playoffs, Jokic is sixth on the list. And yeah. directly behind him is Damian Lillard. <laughs> and he ain't even a scorer. Yo- yep, Jokic 25.74 points per game, Dame 25.68 points per game. So we have two of the premier playoff performers in the league right now going against each other in a first round series. Gotta love so it. the fact that it's the fact that it's three two is not surprising. It's so fucking exciting. And this one's I would say this one's definitely going down to game seven. Oh I hope so. We we deserve it as fans. Yeah. Alright, moving on to the final series in the Western Conference. This one probably doesn't need to be t- talked about a lot. It is a one eight matchup after all and that's Jazz Grizzlies. Um 
aside from Ja and Dylan Brooks, no no real bright spots on the Grizzlies ever since they stole game one when uh, Donovan Mitchell sat out. The Jazz have just looked like they're in complete control again, as we as we would expect from the one seed. Um, do you have any thoughts on this series in particular? Because I, I, I really got nothing. Uh, the only thing I have is that John Moran is definitely a fucking superstar in the making. For he'll sure. be one of the best. He'll be one of the best point guards in the league within the next two to three years, and he'll be bringing the Grizzlies to perennial playoff appearances. And he's just fucking phenomenal, man. He put up forty-seven in game two, <laughs> and he doesn't even have a reliable jump shot. He's just basically all raw energy and talent out there mm-hmm. just going hitting floaters taking layups fucking dunking on people and yeah i mean john morant's fantastic dylan brooks is having a good series i think once again valanchunas is still pretty slept on he's averaging a double double in the series yeah just drew but, a, a tough matchup with a <laughs> rudy gobert you know yeah, it sucks when you're a center and you have to play the defensive player of the year who's also a center. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty brutal. And um, that Jazz team, man, if Donovan Mitchell's not giving it to you, Mike Conley will. He's been fantastic this series. Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles, they can create. Bogdanovich is a bucket. You know, they, they just come at you with all these different scorers surrounding this 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 generational defensive talent. Yeah. And they're going to be a tough out. Valanciunas going against Rudy Gobert is like when you're playing one of the Pokemon games when you're a kid and you pick your starter Pokemon, it's a water type, and then your rival has to pick a grass type. And then you just go up against them and everything's fucking super effective against you. Valanciunas is just at a fucking disadvantage every single second out there. (laughs) It's pretty unfortunate because he's a guy that was just getting it done consistently in the regular season and it was it was a fantastic season for him and kind of like a breakout like coming onto the scene Valanciunas performance and it's just a tough beat when you got to go up against Gobert as a really offensive base center right um speaking of Valanciunas uh remember how last week I said he looked like uh Travis Kelsey (laughs) absolutely well um I was watching the Lakers the other night and I saw this guy Markeith Morris, and I don't know what it was, but he had a striking resemblance to this other forward on the Clippers, um, Marcus Morris. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if they're like related or anything, but they look exactly the same. <laughs> this, this <laughs> what? This is the bit. <laughs> yeah, this is the bit. <laughs> this. This is the bit talking about how the twin brothers look exactly alike. <laughs> I can't believe no one's talked about this. Oh my god. I don't know if I think everybody's talked about it. What do you mean? I know. There were always there were always the jokes that like I forget which Morris brother it was. But it was like whatever, like games that they were in or series that they were in or whatever. That it was Wizards Celtics. Like, yeah, it was like, ah, oh, Marquise wants to take a night off. Like, 
we'll just summon Marcus Morris form or whatever, and people are like analyzing the differences between their tattoos and seeing like they have the same exact tattoos. That's the coolest fucking part, dude. Dude, it's fucking insane. <laughs> so they actually could. They're just the spitting image of each other. <laughs> it's fucking bonkers. But I still feel like <laughs> Valentinus and Kelsey look more alike than the Morris twins. <laughs> I just love that that was the bit that really fucking caught me off guard. <laughs> I had a hard time mentioning it without, like, breaking. <laughs> oh, you did a good job. All right, so on that note, we're going to... We're going to take a short break, and uh, when we come back, we're going to shift over to the Eastern Conference. Hey, everybody. Zach here. Just want to shout out a good bud in my life, a guy that created the logo for our podcast. His name's Corey Susie. He's kind of a fucking degenerate. He eats cigarettes sometimes, but in general, he's a pretty great cone. He's a fantastic artist. He's a hilarious guy, and I gotta say, I love him. You can find him on Instagram and his main page, Corey Susi. That's C O R E Y S U S I, like sus with an I at the end. Fitting. And you can also follow his art page at designs underscore by underscore Suze. Suze spelled S O O Z. So, shout out, Corey. I don't know if you're listening or not. If not, you're a dick. But if you are, I love you, bud. Thanks a lot. Hey, everybody. Sean here. Thanks for listening. I just wanted to give a shout out to my awesome, terrific, super talented girlfriend, Megan. Uh, She's a super talented artist. Her Instagram is at M-C-A-S-Art underscore. That's M-C-A-S-A-R-T underscore. She makes awesome sculptures. She has this great collection of woven sculptures. She also paints, takes awesome photos, does great graphic design work. She's truly a jack of all trades. So give her a follow and check out some of her work. Now, thanks. Back to the show. All right, everybody. We're back at it, ready to talk about these Eastern Conference matchups. And at this point, it's second round matchups because all of the Eastern Conference first round series are now officially over. We've got we've got uh, Brooklyn beat the Celtics, the Bucks, gentlemen sweep the Bucks with a real legitimate sweep over the Heat, which I know somebody on this podcast called it. I'm trying to recall who it was that said the Bucks would sweep the Heat. Well, to narrow it down, it definitely wasn't me. I was big on the Heat going into this one. <laughs> All right, it was the handsome dude with blonde hair who fucking nailed it, dude. Bucks swept the heat. Easy fucking four games. The first game was a little bit sweaty, but after that, it was just an absolute blowout fest. Yeah, where was playoff Jimmy Butler? I I thought that guy was, like, a person. Like, what the fuck? It was Mitty Butler, dude. He was fucking getting nothing done this year. And Bam Adebayo didn't show up the same way as last year either. Nope. It seems like pretty much nobody did. Maybe Jay Crowder was the key to them last year. Seems like it, because that's really the only, uh, if this was a spot the difference, the only thing missing was a big dreadhead guy. 
<laughs> they replaced him with Trevor Ariza and figured that would uh, work out fine, and it definitely didn't. They were relying on Ariza for huge minutes. He played like like 36 minutes in Game 3 or something ridiculous. Just something that you don't rely on him to do anymore. And not just Trevor Ariza, the reanimated corpse of Trevor Ariza. <laughs> yeah. he's... I'm like, oh, like Trevor Reason. 45 years old. It's the same guy who was on those fucking 2010 Lakers teams that won championships. Yeah, and now it's 2021, and he's playing 36 minutes a game for a fucking playoff team. Ridiculous. I think the statistic that stood out most to me and should stand out most to most people is that Bryn Forbes outscored Jimmy Butler in this series. Oof. That's a fucking... Big stinky L right there for Jimmy. That is embarrassing. I would say ninety nine percent of NBA fans don't even know who the fuck Bryn Forbes is. Yeah, I mean, what the fuck is that first name? First of all, Bryn. B R Y N. Are you kidding me, dude? Wait a minute. They won with Brim. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about Yankee? <laughs> Without any Bryn? No Bryn. <laughs> well, yeah, they actually had a lot of Bryn <laughs> in this series. Yeah, dude. Fucking Butler got outscored by a fucking business magazine. <laughs> yeah, that's God, that's really, really fucking sad right there. But pretty hype for Bryn Forbes. Yeah, I mean, they got a lot from him. Um... DiVincenzo goes down. They're not going to have him for the rest of the playoffs. They need uh, another guard to step up, and it looks like Forbes can be that guy for, for stretches at least. Yeah, the only problem is when it comes to the second-round matchup, he's going to get fucking picked on defensively insanely hard. Yeah. Because if we want to point out that second-round matchup, it's Bucks versus Nets, which is one of the most highly anticipated series matchups just probably seven games of the playoffs yeah finals yeah, levels it's of pretty talent incredible it's maybe the only two teams with like legitimate big threes yeah i mean you don't really you call the... conley donovan and gobert a big three if Embiid ends up getting healthy i would call Embiid, tobias and simmons a big three I'm, i don't think uh pg Kawhi, and uh Markeith Morris's twin brother count. <laughs> no, playoff Rondo, though, maybe. Oh, true. Playoff Rondo. I mean, he got lumped in with AD and LeBron last year, so I guess it's not inconceivable. Yeah, right? Playoff Rondo, a.k.a. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, just to go back to the Bucks' heat, though, for a second, Jimmy Buckets... Uh, we said he was outscored by Bryn Forbes in the series. We didn't say what Bryn Forbes scored. It was only 15 points per game. <laughs> so Jimmy put up 14 and a half a game on 29% shooting, oh my 26% from three, and that's fucking vomit worthy. <laughs> that's so crazy bad. And he played 38 and a half minutes per game. So he had plenty of opportunities Man, and so still hosed it. We touched on it earlier when we were talking about the Lakers and how they had this quick turnaround to get into the regular season. And it looked like the Heat really suffered from that. You know, they got 
just as much time off as the Lakers, or just as little time off, I should say. And they came into this regular season limping. I remember they came up to a really slow start, figured it out midseason. Jimmy Butler started putting together a really impressive regular season. He's probably going to earn All-NBA honors this year. And then they just come into the playoffs and lay a huge egg, a goose egg, if you will. And don't forget, Goran got hurt in the finals last year, so it was definitely mm. tough for him coming back into this season. That's a slower start for them. The craziest fucking thing to me about the Heat this year is that they were in the running for the James Harden trade, and it seems like the only thing that held up that package was not putting Tyler Hero in the deal. Oh, and if that's the fucking case, then that is looking tragically disgusting right now. That's just terrible. I mean, they just got caught up in the moment of Tyler Hero having this impressive playoff run, and he's that shiny new toy that yeah. stops you from putting together probably what would have been the most deadly big three in the league. I think if Tyler Hero, if there wasn't a Jack Harlow song about Tyler Hero, then he <laughs> probably would have been put in that trade. <laughs> but unfortunately for the Heat, he wasn't, and he averaged nine points a game this series, shot 31% from the field and 31% from three. Oh, uh, yeah. Definitely uh, a, so- a sophomore slump. Oh, a real fucking sad right there. And you don't want to give up on a 21-year-old like that, but after seeing what James Harden's done the entire year in Brooklyn and what he's been doing in the playoffs so far this year, and the gentleman sweep over Boston, ah, it's a lot better than nine points per game, that's for sure. Do you think that he should try to re-sign Oladipo? Yes, dependent on the number. And like we were saying, there's shit teams with cap space this year, like we were saying with the Julius Randle opportunity. So if a team's throwing upwards of $20 million a year at Oladipo, coming off all these injuries, I don't know if it'd be smart for Miami to re-sign him. If they could get him on a value deal, even at something like $15 million a year, I feel like that's a pretty good move. But you don't want to commit a big chunk of your cap space to Oladipo mostly just considering his injury history. He just can't seem to stay healthy for a solid NBA season at this point. He's a giant question mark, and even if he is healthy, you're not quite sure what you're going to get from him. He wasn't that impressive with the Rockets or the Pacers before that. You know, that's kind of why he bounced around and he was thrown into all these trades that got him moved around the league this season. And he had one all-NBA season. And I think he's a really good player, but, I mean, one all-NBA season, if you're going to be getting paid, after all the injuries, you're going to be getting paid upwards of $20 million a year. I don't think that's worth it. I think it's better to just try and keep developing the young guys that the Heat have, because they do have a really solid young core at this point. And even though flaming out in the playoffs this year is pretty tough, they do still definitely have a bright future. Right. All right, so uh, next up on the slate... Celtics Nick or I'm sorry Celtics Nets the Nets uh, God I fucking wish dude because then the Knicks would definitely be moving into the second round I care to agree so it was Jason Tatum and the team formerly known as the main Red Claws that <laughs> took the court against Brooklyn and uh, 
Tatum looked great for most of the series. I mean, he dropped 51 game to pull out the, the lone win and then uh, another 40-point game and a loss. But it was just no match for the star power that Brooklyn brings. I mean, KD, Harden, and Kyrie, they combined to average over 85 points per game this series, which is just absolutely absurd to me. Because I'm not sure how the Celtics are even getting to 85 points with that lineup they're trotting out there. That's disgusting. And you said the combination of points from those guys. Just Durant individually as a player looks like it's fucking insane. Coming off of an Achilles injury <laughs> looks like even better than the old Durant. He averaged 32 a game in this series on 54-50-91 shooting splits. Ooh, just so efficient. Literally, I'd love to see that. Oh, just fucking getting whatever he wanted at every second. And I just love seeing Kevin Durant play basketball again because he's absolutely the best scorer that I've ever seen play basketball in my entire life. And it's oh, yeah. fucking effortless from everywhere with him. Just pulling up for three, it's drip. Pulling up from mid-range, fadeaways in people's faces. Like, every time he shoots you think the ball's going in. And that's such an incredible thing for an NBA player. Right. And I just love, I fucking love to see Kevin Durant back at it, man. It's amazing. Nobody gets buckets like KD. It's it's crazy. Like, if you give me any player in the league, down two, with a few seconds left, I don't think I could pick anyone besides KD. Yeah, man. It's tough. KD and fucking maybe Dollar Dame at this point because he's just true insane. True. Yeah. Nobody gets buckets as easy as Durant. Nobody gets as angry at people on Twitter as easily as Durant. <laughs> it's it's just another great part of his story. Nobody's perfect. But it's got there's got to be a balance somewhere. But if the aliens invade Earth and the fate of the universe <laughs> is on the line and they have the death beam pointed at Earth. I want Iguodala. <laughs> Dude, I want Melo still. <laughs> He's out here. <laughs> Playing lockdown defense on Jokic down the stretch. Let's fucking get it. So uh, the, the question on everyone's minds now, or I, I, not everyone, but Boston fans, is uh, what's next for the Celtics? You know, they got Tatum, Brown, and then a bunch of question marks. And what Tatum's shown us is impressive. It, it, this, the t- team has to be built around him this season this season alone he's had four 40 point games just to put that into perspective for all those Boston fans out there Larry Bird had four 40 point games his entire career what are you trying to say I'm trying to say that Tatum's a generational talent Jason Tatum better than Larry Bird you heard it, you heard it here first <laughs> not from me I, I was setting him up for it. <laughs> but what's really fueling all these what happens for the Celtics next uh, talks is that uh, they have a head coaching vacancy as of today because uh, Brad Stevens was moved up to the pres- president of basketball operations and Danny Ainge is out. So, Zach, what are your thoughts on this? I just don't know what what's the full deal with that is brad stevens just absolutely not coaching anymore is that what's going on yep he's no longer the head coach he's in the front office so 
I mean, we know Brad Stevens is a phenomenal coach. I have no idea what to expect from Brad Stevens as either like president of basketball operations or general manager or whatever the fuck it is. You know, I've always thought he's a brilliant basketball mind. He's he's proven that, but he just doesn't. I watch him on the sidelines of these games, and he has the same like calm look on his face. Like if he just showed me a picture of Brad Stevens on the sideline, I wouldn't be able to tell you if they're winning or losing the game. And I'm not sure if that's a great coaching style, you know? He doesn't fire guys up. He doesn't – he's not a player's coach, it seems like. So maybe that that demeanor, that even-keeled demeanor is better suited for the front office where he can make these cold-hearted personnel moves, personnel decisions, and he can bring in whoever he wants, whoever he sees fit, to coach the team in his place. Yeah, that's true. Like, I've never seen Brad Stevens, like, excited or angry, like, about anything. Do you think, like, Brad Stevens, when he's having sex, (laughs) is he, like, hyped up in the slightest? Or is this just same straight-faced Brad Stevens just, like, thinking about out-of-timeout plays, (laughs) getting his nut and just... Even killed face blank the entire time. He's definitely strategizing. He's like, all right, so <laughs> a pinch here, a tender caress here, a few hard thrusts. Yeah, that's like, right, that's the play. Already, already swiveled the hips that way. <laughs> She's expecting that. I got to go back in the other direction now. <laughs> got to keep the defense off guard. <laughs> God, I cannot let her know the next move, dude. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what Brad Stevens does in the front office, but it'll be really interesting to see who the next Celtics head coach is then because I was definitely not expecting Brad Stevens to not be the head coach of the Celtics for like anywhere within the next five years. Right? I mean, it's definitely a strange move. I can't recall anything like this happening in recent memory. No, I can't either. Maybe uh, maybe Celtics next head coach Kenny Atkinson, dude. I think uh-huh. Kenny Atkinson should be a fucking head coach somewhere. So I, really I re- have a lot of faith in him. I read that the the Celtics are t- targeting two guys in the the early stages of their hiring process. And <gasps> Chauncey Billups? No, not Chauncey Billups. Fuck, dude. But a different bald point guard from that time period, Jason Kidd. That's garbage. Yeah, I don't want him. And Lloyd Pierce, who I'm not sure who to, how to feel about. I'm a fan. I mean, I'm not like a fan of Lloyd Pierce. I feel bad that Lloyd Pierce got canned from the Hawks job. I thought he got a bad draw, honestly. He got absolutely fucked, dude. The whole team is pretty much injured. Bogdanovich was injured. DeAndre Hunter was injured. Um, I think John Collins is in another lineup at some point. They just had a lot of injuries to a lot of good players on their team. And then Bogdanovich came back basically as soon as Nate McMillan took over as head coach. And so when your second or third best player rejoins the team at the same point as that, and then you start taking off, seems a little bit coincidental. and doesn't seem like it's all just the coaching change at that point. So I feel like Lloyd Pierce kind of gets a bad rap for that. I agree. I I wouldn't mind seeing him get a second chance in Boston, you know. Yeah. You, I mean, I would I would just love to see Chauncey Billups coaching, dude. 
I didn't know that he was in the in the hunt for a head coaching good job. He was in talks for at least one or two head coaching jobs in the off season, and then I think he ended up being. I think he's an assistant coach with the Clippers at this point. Mm. But he was Chauncey Billups is just the man. The yeah, fact that cool. he led that Pistons team to a championship as their best player in a Pistons yeah. team that really Finals MVP. Not, yeah, dude, that's fucking amazing. That's just like what a leader right there. Mm-hmm. And especially to to take that team with just not a lot of offensive talent to be able to win a championship and with a lot of fucking crazy fiery personalities like they had to be able to get all those guys under control you know that guy's got crazy leadership capabilities and definitely is able to connect with just all kinds of different guys so i feel like he'd be a guy that'd be a player's coach and as a point guard you know nba offenses for the most part and Playing on those Pistons teams, he definitely knows defense when they're playing games that end like 87 to 84. <laughs> uh, I feel like I would just really love to see Chauncey Phillips on the sidelines somewhere. He'd definitely look a heck of a lot better than Tom Thibodeau. <laughs> that's, not, that's not saying much. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but still, it'd be pretty great. All right, so uh, let's make some predictions. We've we've covered every series so far. Well, we'll take it from the top. Um, Lakers Suns Suns up three two. How do you think this one shakes out? I think my prediction last week on the podcast was Lakers and six. Now I want to say, uh, God damn it, this is so tough. My I just like. I really want to pick the Suns. My balls want to pick the Suns. My heart wants to pick the Lakers in seventh. And fuck it, dude. It's Balls Out Podcast. I'm going Suns in seventh. Ah, you're taking the Suns. I didn't think you were going to do it. Yeah, baby. Let's go. Fuck LeBron. I totally think that's a smart pick. I mean, LeBron hasn't... If if I think if he were to come out and show us playoff LeBron it would have happened in game five and he just didn't seem to want to take any part in that but I can't go against LeBron I just simply can't do it I'm picking Lakers in seven it's dude it's just such a tough pick because I'm not getting bit by him I'm just not letting that happen I get game five is a game you really want to win but it's not an elimination game so in LeBron's head, maybe he's like, fuck it, dude. I don't really have to try that hard. If it's not an elimination game, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I I mean... it's Dude, it's just such a fucking sweaty series right now. It's crazy. It is. That one's... I, I, if we don't feel safe about picking the Suns, how do you think they feel? Do you think they feel safe with a 3-2 series lead? They, they can't, right? I don't feel safe about picking either team, though, because, like, I fucking... Like, part of me wants to pick the Lakers, too, but if Anthony Davis is not 100%, the Lakers team is just not that good. Right. I mean, they're they're fine, but they're without Anthony Davis, who's one of the top ten players in the league, but we, we've seen, I don't know if they're good enough. We've seen LeBron take teams that suck against much mightier teams than the Suns. <sighs> much mightier? But is is this the same LeBron? Is the only thing. That's like an older LeBron, and also in the Western Conference, and also not home court advantage. 
in Game 7 if they get there. Mm-hmm. And when he was running through the East, it was definitely easier to run through the East. With his woes. <laughs> yeah, dude, he was running through the six fucking easily against DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. In this, uh, this Suns team is really, really good. DeAndre Ayton's been playing out of his mind in the playoffs, better than he's ever looked in the regular season in any of the years of his career so far. Devin Booker looks like the man. Chris Paul, not healthy, but still looking fantastic in some of these games. Like, I don't know. I'm sticking with it. I like the Suns here. I'm just really, really rooting for him. I'm trying to manifest something great. Gotcha. I'm I'm sticking with my boy. I'm I'm not gonna doubt LeBron until he gives me a reason to. You pulling the Shannon Sharp? You got goat Bron? <laughs> you just gotta get out the backwoods and you're good. Oh, that'll be easy. <laughs> Alright, next uh Mavs Clippers. Two two and the game is on right now and I'm gonna check the score. Yeah, Mavs up fifty six fifty four at halftime. Alright, so we got a tight game going on. I got the Mavericks in seven. I'll take the breathing room. I got Luca going into LA and looking completely uh, healthy and great again and taking it to Kawhi, PG, and company. What do you got? Alright, that's two prediction L's for you so far. You thought? I got the Clippers in six. I picked them last week on the podcast. I'm sticking with them. I was definitely a little bit sweaty when they went down 0-2, but now it's tied 2-2. You got Game 7 in L.A. if they need it. I don't think they need it. I think they'll pull out this game, and then I think next game is just going to be a breeze. They're going to want to get the series over with once they know that Utah is done with Memphis. So you think they'll just reel off four straight like that? Easy money. Like like I said earlier, I think that they're going to get a little too comfortable. You know, they're like, all right, we brought it back 2-2, back at home. And uh, underestimate the uh, the young man over there, Luka Doncic. Yeah, a little sleepwalking could be expected from this Clippers team at this point. But, I mean, I think the alarm bells really started ringing. I think they're ready to just take it to them and get the series done with and move on. And just try and prove themselves as the best in the West. All right. Uh, next up, let's blaze the Nugs. Nugs up three two. Yeah, As I recall, maybe. you said Blazers in six after they won the first game, and I said Nuggets in seven. I might have said Blazers in five. <sighs> Yikes! Yeah, to call it was something out. like that. I hold myself accountable, dude. I kind of want to stick with my prediction just to hold true, but I also want to bring it down to Nuggets in six. I want to say Nuggets in seven at this point. I'm All right, I'll bring it. Scripts. All right, I'll bring it down to Nuggets in six then to to make it different. I think. All right. You know, Dame just had this generational game. His will might be broken. You know, and Game Six is, is it's in Portland, but I don't think that'll matter. I think the the air is taken out of their sails after that double overtime overtime loss. Um. Dame just doesn't have much help, and unless he can pull another game like this out of his ass, they really don't stand a chance. Dude, speaking of Blaze the Nugs, <laughs> this, is a, this isn't a weed talk at this point, but 
Did you ever see, I think it was two years ago in the playoffs, when Ian Carmel had the Blaze the Nug shirt yeah. going on? Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. That was the sickest thing ever. The the Bart Simpson on there with, like, they had this, like, the Portland Rip City logos. I think, I don't know, it was, like, Bart Simpson, like, smoking a joint or something like that and said, Blaze the Nugs. So fantastic. Tried to get my hands on one of those shirts. I hit up Ian Carmel. He actually responded to me on Instagram in my DMs, <laughs> which was really, really hype. Still couldn't get a shirt, unfortunately. Fuck. Yeah, devastating. The one but, that got away. It it hurts to think about still because that shirt is so fucking fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, it if Dame goes for fifty five and they still lose, it's like what are they gonna do at this point? It feels like the Nuggets after that are just in control of this series. Jokic still playing out of his mind. He's at least getting a little bit of help. Michael Porter Jr. stepping up. Monte Morris stepped up last game. I think they'll be able to get it done. I think the Blazers might be able to take the next game at home. But when it goes back to Game 7 and the altitude in Denver, it's just going to be all over. The Nuggets, they come back from 3-1 against the Clippers last year. I don't think they're going to fucking lose Game 7 at home to the Blazers in the first round. They just have too much fortitude for that. I don't think they lose this series either. It's just a matter of it's in six or seven. And not in Ball Arena, bro. How are they <laughs> losing Ball Arena? Dude, we gotta buy the rights to that and make it Balls Out Arena. Yeah, dude. Sponsorship? We gotta pay big money to sponsor that arena. <laughs> oh, yeah. Keep those Venmos coming and we'll buy it in no time. That's right. Hook it up, everybody. <laughs> All right, so... um the only other series going on is Jazz Grizzlies, and the Jazz are currently up 30 with a 3-1 lead in the series, so I think that one's, it's safe to say that one's over. And, uh, looks like another dub for your boy right there. I called the gentleman sweep after the Grizzlies won the first game. Do you recall what you said about that series? Oh yeah, I didn't have that right. Ha, I had the Grizzlies winning the series. <laughs> I, took a, I took a very bold... I forgot how many games, but I took a very, 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 very bold stance on that one. Yeah, you were throwing big sack on that one. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah, my, my, go, my Gobert slander might have been a little unhinged and gotten out of hand. Yeah. John Moran isn't dunking all over Rudy Gobert in the playoffs, that's for sure. But he will fucking try, and I respect that. I respect the hell out of it. I fucking love the Grizzlies. I honestly wish they would beat the Jazz, but the Jazz are tough, man. What we can do now is we can predict the the Eastern Conference series right off the rip. Off the rip. So, uh, Nets, Bucks, who you got? I got the Bucks. I don't know in how many games I have them right now. Um, Pick a sweep again. (laughs) God, that's... It's a fucking way different opponent when you're talking about three guys combining for 80-something and Jimmy Butler can't even score 15 on his own. I would say... I mean, it seems like everybody's talking about this series coming down to seven games. I'll, I guess, just be a simp and go for it, too. I'll say seven games. No, I'll say six games. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, fuck it. I'm not simping for the fucking Nets, dude. I got six games. I got the Bucks winning in six. I just think the Bucks have three guys on the team 
that are at least decently equipped to defend the three best Nets players. And you can't say the same for the other side. The Nets defense is just atrocious. You can stick a center on Giannis, like DeAndre Jordan or Nicholas Claxton. What are they going to do? Giannis is going to blow right by him if they decide to back off like a million feet and just let him shoot. Well, he could just set a screen for somebody and get a little pick-and-roll action going and get to the basket that way. Or if KD's guarding Giannis, Giannis can just take him down inside. Try and get some quick fouls on KD. Try and tire him out defensively so that way he has to work way harder on offense. Nobody can really guard Drew Holiday on that team, unless you're talking about maybe Bruce Brown. And I just think the Bucks' defense... I think the Bucks with Drew Holiday this year, it's just a whole different story. Drew Holiday is just fucking... He completely got it done in that Miami series. I think he's going to be fantastic against Brooklyn. He's going to show everybody how good of a defender he is when he's guarding James Harden, Kyrie Irving. When they're setting screens for each other and he's just switching onto every guy and fucking smothering them out every single second. I think the Bucks just got this series, man. And I'm excited because... I predicted this back in February that the Bucks would come out of the Eastern Conference, and I think they're going to do it. I think Giannis took his lumps last year. I think they have a better team this year, and I think they have a really legitimate chance at winning the championship. So I don't think a defense exists, at least in this plane of existence, that can stop this Nets team. KD, Harden, and Kyrie are by far the greatest collection of offensive talents that I've ever seen and has maybe ever existed in league history. And I just don't think there's any slowing them down. You mentioned that Giannis could get KD in foul trouble. I think KD will get Giannis in foul trouble. You know? And with Giannis on the bench, that Bucks team just can't match the Nets' firepower. The Nets can bring out all these different rotations where they have all three stars on the court or they have Harden out there leading the second unit and they're still putting up insane numbers without scoring a beat. They can just get three-pointer stop, three-pointer stop, and one, and just reel off a 9-0 run like nothing. And I don't think any team in the league matches up. So I got the Nets in seven. I'm not talking... The Bucks. I mean, nobody's going to be able to stop those guys, but they can at least make life hard for them. They have three guys with the size, the length, the strength to be able to keep up with them. I don't really see KD getting Giannis in foul trouble. Like, I don't know how much he's going to be taking him inside. I don't know if Giannis is going to be biting on pump fakes that much. Well, not just KD, but Harden, is he's the master at drawing fouls. I mean... It's going to be a fucking weird series from the ref's perspective because Giannis and Harden are two guys that they just fucking deep throw every second. Oh, God. If Giannis is taking 10 seconds on the free throw line every time, we might <laughs> might get some long games with lots of free throws. 9.9, so, dude. He's not getting fucking... He's not getting caught with violations this time. Man, I was listening to that Miami uh, that Miami crowd count <laughs> count as free throws, and they got to twelve and thirteen on some of them. Granted, they were probably counting a little fast, but 
Yeah, they're probably counting a little fast because they're all fucking coked up down there in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> Just ripping through it. Although we do have to bring up, even though the Knicks are out of the playoffs, the Knicks home crowd did have the best chance so far of the entire playoffs. When in game one, it was game one or game two, I think it was game two, they started chanting, Trey is balding. <laughs> Every time <laughs> Trey Young touched the ball, which is just fantastic. Well, he really shut them up. Yeah, he was great, but... You know what? He is fucking balding. And what is he, 22, 23 years old? Balding, but he balled out. <laughs> Fuck. He did ball out. <laughs> and his balls out podcast, so I can't hate on him for that. <laughs> all right, all right, real quick. The uh, the other series in the East, uh, 76ers-Hawks. So we don't know if Embiid's playing or not. Or how much he will play if he does. But... What's your prediction for this series? Hawks and six. You got the Hawks, man? <laughs> wow, that's bold. Yeah, dude. Well, here's the thing. If the Hawks beat the Knicks, who were really the best team in the Eastern Conference, then I guess that means the Hawks were actually the best team in the Eastern Conference, and there's no chance that the Sixers can stack up with them. And if there's no Embiid, the Sixers are way more of an average team than they are an elite team. And... Trey Young, he was the best player in the Knicks-Hawks series by far. The Sixers definitely have more options to defend him than the Knicks did, but I think Trey Young's going to go off. They have so many fucking offensive weapons, and the Sixers' offense without Embiid is just pretty lacking. And so if it's just going to be a shootout, which it seems like almost every single game with the Hawks is, I think... Like, the odds tilt in their favor. We'll see if Embiid's going to be playing or not, but I'm just go ahead, going to go ahead and say Hawks and Six. So this regular season, the 76ers played 19 games without Embiid, and they went 9-10 and 10 in those games. Crossed. And they just beat the Wizards uh, tonight without him, so that we can make that an even 500, 10-10 mm. without Embiid this season. Beating the Wizards. Fantastic. Hey, man, you can only play what's on your schedule. Hey, I'm impressed. That's all I'm saying. And, um... This is a hard one for me to pick because I do think that this 76ers team is very offensively challenged without Embiid, you know? Mm-hmm. Playoff Simmons is kind of, a, kind of a problem. He's especially a problem without Embiid next to him. But I just think that the, the sheer talent... And the defensive ability to they they can match up with anybody. Ben Simmons is suffocating. They've got other great defensive wings like Thibel and Danny Green that they can throw Trey Young's way. You can't he just can't get a great switch. So I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna take the 76ers in six if they don't get Embiid. I'll take them in either a sweep or in five if Embiid does end up playing in any of the games. I'm just gonna go ahead and point out right now that if it comes down to it if Embiid's not playing the Hawks have a really fucking easy way to bog down the Sixers offense and that's Hacka Simmons because through the first four oh, games of the series so hard to watch Simmons was 5 for 20 from the free throw line yep when Embiid went down in game 4 
the Wizards employed the Hack of Simmons strategy and it worked for them. Ugh. Stole them a game. That's fucking disgusting, man. Five for 20 is so gross. So, yeah. That's terrible. He's got it. Hack of Simmons is a real thing. He's just got to get in the gym and hit free throws and bring it to the court yeah. on game day. He's got to stop worrying about Kardashians and start worrying about his jump shot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so those are uh, all of our predictions for the Eastern Conference games. Um, let's go on to our segment that we like to call Who Went Balls Out? So each week we're going to select a player, coach, or other basketball-related person that we think went balls out in the last week. Zach, uh, let's start with yours. All right. My balls out player of the week is just one of my favorite players in the league at this point he's already one of my favorite players of all time it's Nikola Jokic he's just Jokic baby holy fuck he's such an inspiration for just big doofy unathletic people everywhere to be successful (laughs) in the NBA it's so fantastic to see and I mean this playoff series it's crazy because he's only averaging four assists per game, but his unbelievable passing is still on display with some mm-hmm. of the reads that he makes on the court. He gets double teamed. He doesn't panic in the slightest. He still throws behind-the-head passes, cross-court lobs, <laughs> just loft passes over defenders, lasers into the paint. And he's averaging 32-11 and 11 on almost 50-40-90 for this series. He's already, I would probably say, the best center that I've ever seen in my life play basketball. Like, besides... Dwight Howard? uh, (laughs) I was going to say, prime (laughs) Dwight Howard is like, he was probably the best before that. And I think Jokic is better than prime Dwight Howard, especially the way he elevates his game in the playoffs still from the regular season. And the way he makes all of his teammates better consistently. He's just, like, he's one of the most fun players to watch ever. He's incredible. He's an incredible scorer. He's 32 points per game in the playoffs for a guy that's known as a passer. That's fucking unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And through all this, like, he's the focal point of Denver's offense. He's the one that the defense are going at every single time. And he's averaging 2.2 turnovers per game in this series. We don't make mistakes, man. He doesn't make any mistakes. He makes the perfect reads. He's so creative out there. He looks like he shouldn't be playing basketball. This guy, when he was in college, was drinking a two-liter bottle of soda every single day. And now he's going to be the fucking... That's so fucking gross. And it's dangerous, dude. And now he's going to be the MVP of the league this year, and he's my balls-out player of this week. Nice, nice. Um, I'm going to stay in the same series for my balls-out player. I got Dala Dame Lillard, man. We already talked about how fucking great he was in that game five. Um, he's just been he's been great this entire series. He's been absolutely carrying this Portland team. He's leading the playoffs in scoring with uh, just under 36 points per game, which is fucking crazy. Unbelievable. 
He's playing 41 minutes a game, which we also mentioned earlier. You know, they, they just lean on him so heavily. They need him. Portland really needs Dame. And you could just see in those overtimes when things were getting tight and sweaty and he was the only one who could make shots. In the two overtimes, the Trailblazers combined for two points. One for 19 from the field from players not named Damian Lillard. Just a pure, fine example of a guy getting no help. Yeah, that's... God, that's so fucking gross to hear his teammates in those overtimes. One for 19. God. And you know what? That's crazy. That's my guy Mello out there, too. Come on, Mello. You gotta be ashamed. <laughs> you gotta be ashamed of yourself, you fucking glazed glaze donut face ass. Yeah, and I mean, late in that game, after Nurkic and Covington fouled out, Mello was tasked with guarding Jokic, and it was, it was pretty funny to see. <laughs> and Mello, yeah, dude, known as a defensive stopper throughout his career. Now at, what, 37 years old? <laughs> God, psych. <laughs> yeah, gross. All right, so wrapping up here. Next week, we're going to uh, wrap up how these fir- this first that round ended, and we're going to look forward to round two. Some of those series will are already have been started, so we're going to talk about how they've been going to that point. And that's about it. Oh, we have to do our Venmo messages. And... Before that, the big announcement that we're going to be recording a podcast in person together, which is so fucking exciting. Yeah, that's right. That's next week. That's right. I fly down to Florida this weekend. I'm going to bring my fucking shit, and we're going to do a live recording, and it's going to be great. Shawnee Jana's coming down to Clearwater, baby. Let's go. Yeah, drop the Addy on air. Yeah, dude. I'll, I'll drop my social security number, too. I don't give a fuck. Steal, steal my identity, hackers. Yeah, you guys want my travel information, by the way? <laughs> yeah, you want Sean's credit card number? I have it. Yeah, let's get super invasive. Let's go. Let's take our balls out. <laughs> uh, dude, it might have been hanging this whole time. I, I needed to air them out big time. Yeah, I know it's uh, it's quite swampy down there. Yeah. In Florida, in Florida. Yeah, yeah, just in Florida. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the uh, first Venmo message came from Deanne. She wanted me to shout out her beautiful wife, Emma, and just let her know how much she loves her. That's sweet. How sweet is that? Well. <laughs> uh, that's my only one. Did you Did you get any? Yes, I did. I'm pulling up uh, my Venmo right now just so I can get the message exactly correct. How many did you get? How much more popular than me are you? <laughs> I mean, if, are we just talking Venmo or are we talking in general? I mean, I'd like to keep this strictly to Venmo. We don't have much time left. <laughs> I know you could go on and on for hours. All right. If we're talking just Venmo, then I only got one Venmo message. Um, oh, thank God. God, I'm just trying to pull it up right now. And I, Except for we're fucking broke. Yeah, yeah, we're fucking struggling, dude. I'm trying to find it up, but I don't have the money to fucking pay for my phone bill, so it's really, really tough right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. All right, so I got one Venmo payment from one Reed Ward. 
the message was <laughs> Sean Janis malted barley ask him about it so Sean what do you have to say about the malted barley alright so I'll tell the story but certain parts are definitely going to be redacted <laughs> I'd like that so and I was super drunk And then I, and after that, and then, uh, yeah, so that's how that went. <laughs> yeah, I can attest. I was there. That's exactly how that all went down. <laughs> yeah, pretty interesting stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, for the full versions, <laughs> just text me. <laughs> No, I won't. I won't expose Shawnee like that unless you Venmo me more than two dollars. <laughs> <laughs> wow, there's a there's a price on me, huh? That's crazy. <laughs> nah, there's no price on our friendship, but like fifty dollars sounds pretty fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for your support. Uh, remember to please subscribe on Spotify, Apple, and YouTube. Those of you that do and then send me some sort of proof, you'll get a personalized message from Zach and I. Thank you. Um, Zach, is there anything you want to say to our listeners before we sign off? Yeah, dude. I'll write you guys a fucking poem if you do that shit. And I'm a pretty fucking good poet, dare I say it. I know a lot of you are already subscribed on Spotify, Apple, and YouTube or some combination of the two. And you just have to do the third one or something like that. So just take a screenshot and send it to us and... Uh, We'll make sure that you're thanked. Just do it. It's easy. And tell your friends about us. Tell your fucking... Please spread the word. Tell your enemies about us. Tell The worst person you know. The worst person you know. Like... Well, you should probably start with the best people. Yeah, start with the best people, but like, we want anybody listening, for sure. We don't approve of anything that they have to say, but we still want them listening, so tell... Well... Ah! We should hear them out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just tell everybody, but man, everybody that's listening right now, thank you so much. We fucking appreciate it beyond belief. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Love you all, and uh, talk to you next week. In person. Deuces, baby. Yeah, baby. Deuces. <laughs>